Welcome back to The Right Angle. The G-Man and Mo are here. And I must say, first of all, before we get started, that I was just looking at our analytics. And for some reason, our last two episodes are down a bit in listenership. And so everyone who listens to this one, which is hopefully everyone, please go back and especially listen to our America's Barber episode because that thing deserves to be in the stratosphere. So make sure you go back and do that. G-Man, do you want to start off with a big whopper, a medium whopper, or what do you got for Let's us today? Let's start off with a, a medium whopper. I, All right. I had to take a couple of pills after our, okay. our last oh, man. podcast because yeah. I, I went off the edge a little bit there. But. All right. Let's start off with that. I don't know how many people out there have their house paid for. I do have white privilege, and mine is paid for. So, therefore, I get a tax bill for summer and winter taxes, just yep. like everybody else does. Okay. I'm, wa- I'm wondering to myself, how many people get billed three months in advance of having to pay the bill? In other words, I got my, my winter tax bill, and it's due the middle of February, and I got it a week and a half ago. Hmm. Why I wonder why to myself, yeah. why I get a tax bill three months in advance. And don't, if I call the, my township, I don't want to hear this crap about we want you to prepare for it. If you need to prepare for your taxes to pay them, <laughs> get out of your house and move. Right. I don't want you in my community if you can't afford your taxes. So why on earth do they send it to you three months in advance? And the only irritant I can think of other than the fact that it's three months before you pay it is I got to sit there and look at it on my desk for three months until I pay it. I assume they do that because they want, they just figure since you got it, you're going to pay it early just to get it out of your hair, I would imagine. You think uh, who there's... comes up with the idea that they say, "Hey, let's let's bill them three months in advance"? And I'm talking, you know, I'm talking several thousand dollars here. Yeah. Uh, and if that's in your bank account, I can make like twenty, twenty-five, twenty-seven cents over that three months <laughs> for that kind of money in my bank account. Exactly. Uh, that I wouldn't have had if I pay it right now. Yeah, that's very interesting, and as always, great minds think alike, because we got our, I guess it's the winter taxes. It's I don't know why they do winter and summer and not spring and fall or quarterly or whatever, but it, it sort of goes with something that uh, Jordan Peterson was talking to Ron DeSantis, who, as we have noted many times, an outstanding governor, and it was... Not a, uh, it wasn't a super political conversation. It was just about his life and how he got interested and blah, blah, blah. But obviously, as the governor of Florida, he's done a great job and totally dismantled Gruesome in that debate. I mean, Gruesome, he just, I didn't watch any of it, but f- from the recaps I've seen, he just lied. I mean, he took a page out of the, the Biden Leiden handbook and he was just lying up and down. But, anyways, Jordan Peterson said something about, um, I thought I wrote it down, but maybe it was just something that I, I'm sort of paraphrasing based on what he said, and it ties into your your tax thing. When you think about it, and obviously the taxes start by the legislator, legislature voting on them, but in a way, the percent of money that you pay in taxes is directly proportional or correlated to either the things that you think someone else can do better than you because you're paying someone to do it or that, you know, they know how to spend your money more wisely than you do. And that's not as an individual, but when people vote in the legislature to raise taxes, they're saying the more money we have, the less money the public has, the less independence they have, the less freedom they have. But that's okay because we're going to do all these things that they're too stupid to do by themselves. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really what taxes are. Well, basically, I guess they are that exactly. I, I would even go further than to say, uh, give me this much money 
and I'm going to spend it stupidly all the time. Yeah. When I get it. Yes. And they don't even uh, proportion it according to where they should proportion it to. If that's, if that's the right way to phrase it. In other words, I know that in my state, they take massive amounts away from the highway department and give it to frivolous things like abortion clinics, marijuana stuff, and, and all that kind of crap. Uh, and it directly affects everybody that drives a car in my state, uh, you know, proportionately. And yeah, because haven't it's they? Horrific. It's it's pretty much a known fact that the gas tax you pay at the pump, only a portion of that goes to the roads or to whatever anything to do with transportation. I'm pretty sure. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of mm. that, uh, on yep. the. On the debate you were talking about between Gruesome and and DeSantis, they had the facts. Hannity had the facts about taxes in California, and the the gas tax in California, I believe, is second only to New York, mm. or possibly the highest gas tax. It's astronomical, and I th- I thought to myself when I saw that immediately because I used to live in California. In the winter for 13 years, uh, that what what do they spend it on on the on the highways? They don't ever break down. No, they don't have snow. They don't crack up like they do in the Midwest. Where do, where does all that money that they? Well, I mean, we all know where it goes. It goes yeah. to absolutely furthest things. But but uh, I thought, my God, for for I don't know what it was. I can't remember. So almost a dollar a gallon. Ooh. Uh, going to going to the roads. I, wow. I don't see it. Wow. I don't see it. Well, so our, our winter taxes, and I'm sure you got the itemized thing, and I really don't pay much attention to it, but like the farmland preservation something, we're paying like 16 bucks, so that's okay. Animal control, the the not really the local zoo, the regional zoo is like $60. Parks and trails, about $60. Public transportation, about $70. So the buses that no one rides. Juvenile <laughs> juvenile justice, which is probably a good thing to do. Regular jails, about $100. Elder care, which is a good thing. But then you get then the airport, as if you don't pay enough you know, in, in parking and airline tickets, you're paying basically $100 for the airport. Uh, the township, well, the, the library, which is like a, a countywide and beyond library, about $180 for that, which means, I mean, if you checked out a book a week or more, probably, you'd to get your money's worth out of the library. When's the last time you used the library? <laughs> Because I did used to go a fair amount and get like CDs on, uh, or, you know, books on CD or whatever. Well, okay, you got me on that one. I did, I did listen to books several years ago. Okay, and that was that was the only time I think I ever went to the to the library, you know, that was funded by the community. Yeah. Because the last time before that, that I went to the library was when I was you know in school. Right. So right. That's a little. That's a little bit rich, uh, for my. And then they've got the township, which of course does all kinds of stuff. So that's all right. Fire and emergency, you obviously need that. The local community college is a little bit steep. About four hundred plus dollars. We're subsidizing students, which seems a little bit rich. The intermediate school district, which is sort of the vocational schools, which I guess is, you know, kind of a good thing, but it's. Seven hundred dollars, which again seems like a little much. Seven hundred dollars. Uh, Seven hundred dollars for that. Yeah, I happen to know that there's just one building that they do that stuff in. Yeah, I don't so know I, why they need all that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, you think of that seven hundred per household, and this isn't just in our city or township; it's in the whole county so that's i mean i don't know what that would extrapolate out to but it's got to be millions of dollars you would think so, well of course yeah of course. paying the 
so a little bit rich and then you know it's all the local school stuff which you can kind of live with even though if you don't have kids in school anymore but so I guess the point is someone has got to vote on that and once they do we have absolutely no say on the percentage of what goes to what because I know we talked once about you know if you knew you were going to pay two thousand dollars in taxes if you at least had the ability to divvy that out you know a big chunk to the police maybe or to whatever you chose and they just have to sort of live with the will of the people but it just seems so far removed that you just forget about it until you get those bills twice a year and then you realize that you're probably not getting your money's worth I, I wonder what it takes to file a Freedom of Information Act to find out exactly where every single dollar that they spend on taxes yeah. in, in your township, community, whatever, where it goes and, and what it goes to. I would just like to know, basically, like you say, at $700 per household, if the, all of that money goes to the, the kids that are learning things that the schools can't teach them, how much of that? You know, where does that go in that, yeah, in that one yep. building, that one building? It's just a, a glorified high school type of atmosphere there. Right. Uh, like a middle, middle B or A school size where they teach that stuff. That seems out of control. Right. You'll have to check yours and see if it's some anomaly. But it's, I mean, it's obviously based on the value of your house, which is a whole nother regressive or progressive, whatever tax uh, on that. Because obviously, no matter how rich you are, well, you're you're getting the same amount of service, but you're paying a lot more. Think about a house that's worth a million or a half a million dollars. And so their library bill is going to be whatever, triple or quadruple what someone else's is going to be. And yet there's no way they could ever get that much value out of that or out of the school district or out of anything. So when people whine about not paying their fair share, it's pretty much proof that people they are paying do. way more. Yeah, exactly. And and like you say, it's based on the assessment of your house Yeah, and, and what it's worth. So in other words, you or I, that we live in, I, I guess I can tell everyone, we live in like million dollar houses that... <laughs> That we pay, like you say, way more than than anybody else because we did something with our lives to be able to live in these dwellings, and yet we don't get any. Pretty much, I don't get anything for my taxes. No, I, no. I don't. I don't even care if they if they you know what they do with the roads because they don't seem to be doing much of anything to them anyway. Uh, I just I get nothing for it. I don't have any no. kids in school. You know, I don't. You know, I don't walk the trails and i guess if the farmers need extra money uh go find another job right <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah it's one of those things you don't want to think about too much because i mean maybe if if you like lived in one of those big houses and then someone who lived in the trailer park if they both called 911 at the same time maybe the the rich person would get the first dispatch or something. But other than that, it is, uh, I don't know if that would be filed under equality or equity or communism. <laughs> communism, I'm sure. Uh, it's, uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I saw that Michigan's witless governor just signed an executive order stay, stating that all state-owned vehicles by I think 2033, all regular cars and then trucks and whatever by 2040 have to be EVs. Hmm. That's interesting considering on a other podcast we had when I heard this on TV uh, that the University of Michigan had those electric buses. Oh, gosh. For $5 million, I believe is what it was. And they got like three or four of them. And they all broke down, they all didn't work, and they all just put them out to pasture after, I don't know, a couple of months or whatever it was. Yeah. So they're still pushing the agenda for the green bad deal. 
and it's not going to ever work. As soon as somebody with a brain gets into an office like, what's her name? What Did you say Witless? Yes, Witless. Yeah. Whenever anybody can get rid of her, they will go back to the normal way of thinking and say, hey, this doesn't work. At the very least, we'll go about it slowly. And, and Yeah, market-driven. Market-driven, exactly. Not only market-driven, but, uh, you know, because it is government, that's not market-driven. But at the same time, when you get the results that you do with the EVs that, that are absolutely horrendous, do away with it. Why, why keep trying to push it? I know. It's a failed thing. That's it. Uh, you wonder, I was just thinking of, of a governor versus a president versus the uh, senators and the congressmen and the judges. The definition of governor, if you're going to govern someone, does that include all these executive orders and mandates and all of the power that a governor has. I'm just thinking out loud what it means to govern someone. Cause obviously the governor does not pass the laws. They enforce the laws, but it just seems more and more. There's just so much overreach. At, well, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's why each state has their own Supreme court so that they can, they can read the, the laws and tell the dumb A's, that they're not doing what they're supposed to and to back off. I, I mean, the law is the law. And I, pe people like uh, Holcomb in, in New York uh, and and what's her Katie Hobbs in Arizona. Oh, my gosh. The, the people that, that literally don't have a brain um, have to have a Supreme Court to back up their lack of knowledge for what they're trying to govern with there. Yeah. And it, it's it's plentiful with them. I completely, speaking of Hobbs, has uh, has our favorite would-be governor. I guess she's now going to run for U.S. Senate. Is, did did she, Carrie Lake, lose everything in terms of that whole recount and everything? I guess it did. It, I haven't heard anything about that probably for six months. No, I've, I haven't heard a single thing about it. And there's no way in Hades that she lost that election. That Hobbs is is literally. I, I saw her talking to somebody, some Hispanic up on stage, and he was just grilling her. She didn't have an answer for anything. And I thought to myself when I saw her up there, I thought, my God, she looks like some high school kid. Not that oh. she's young looking, no, but acting like a high school kid trying to run for high school president as opposed to governor of Arizona, Gosh. because she was a complete zero. When she was up there trying to answer questions. Really? Really? I, I kind of almost at that point felt a little bad. Yeah. Only for about a second. And then I took Right. Then I belched and I was okay. <laughs> but uh, she's horrific. Yeah, horrific. she's really bad. As is Holcomb and, uh, you know, the other ones that stole the elections. We will find out, and I'll keep saying this. We will find out down the road that these elections were, in fact, stolen by the people that are running these election booths or whatever they're doing. You know, that yeah. one lady was stuffing ballots in Philadelphia. Right. There she is doing it. What? So recount them. Recount them. Why does it take two years to recount votes? And you and I could do it in a week. For an entire yep. state. Yeah. I would do it uh, for free for a week. If you gave me the legitimate votes for Arizona, yep. Pennsylvania, all the ones that they said that they lost, I'd do it for free. PSA, let it be week. known. All yeah. right. Yep. I've got Maybe. it out there for anyone that wants to know that. Nice. <laughs> oh, my, my temper, my, my, I got to just a second here. I got to back off just for a second. Let's start. Right. I, I got one. I got something here. Okay. I'm watching the football game the other night. Okay. Mm -hmm. my, my 49ers, you know, trounced the Eagles. Yes. And I'm, and I'm watching after the game. I'm saying to myself, wait a second. And this reminded me of a couple of other games I watched. The few that I've watched this year. Why? Do NFL coaches need two 
police officers to escort them off the field. Yeah. Every one of them get two police officers to escort them off the field. Why is that? Do you have an answer? uh, I'm sure at some point there must've been some incidents with a fan or something, but yeah, the coach versus the, the, the quarterback player. or the runner back, yeah. running back. Yeah, someone who. Any of the players going through the tunnel, they don't get a cop. No. Yeah, but you do. Yeah, that's, I guess I, I'm so used to seeing it that I hadn't really thought about that. And I, I know it's the same way in college, at least for the big schools. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, it's, it's like, come on. You know, I, well, what are you so mad about? What's the big deal? It's a, well, you're wasting taxpayer money Yeah. on those cops. Put those cops around the stands and arrest people that are being unruly and stuff. Don't bookend an NFL coach leaving the stadium because guess what? Half the time they don't know that's the coach. You know, when you're in a big crowd and you're all yeah, moving out, yeah. you're going into the tunnel or whatever. If you have a helmet on, I could see somebody throwing beer at you or something like that, but not a coach, you know, get rid of them. I guess you could say on one hand it makes him look more important, but on the other hand it makes him sort of look like a weenie that he needs a couple of cops around him. Yeah, why is he important anyway? He's just yeah. a coach, and if something, God forbid, were to happen to him, they just have the assistant coach take over like they do yeah. half of the college coaches that get arrested for different things that they've been doing. So yeah. <laughs> just find another one in a day to take over yeah. the team, you know? Oh, so. man, that is a lot of... One, one last thing about coaches. It just came to me just as we were talking about it. Yeah. And that is, I find it incredibly humorous that I watch them when they're on the sidelines. They put their their play sheet over their mouth right. when they're calling a play because apparently they think somebody in the 12 seconds that they call the play onto the field, that somebody will steal it Tell the defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator tells the defensive team what they're going to be doing, and then they know what the play is going to be in 12 seconds. <laughs> yeah. After reading really, their lips. Yeah. It's not like stealing signs in baseball where you could immediately somehow signal a batter. Right. Which I know was it the Houston Astros got accused busted. or charged or whatever, busted for doing that. But, yeah, it's a whole different whole different thing you wonder i don't know how many years it's been that the nfl coaches have been have mics and they talk right to their quarterback and they've got their speakers in their helmets i assume college is going to do that i don't know why they don't already but yeah it's funny to watch the college games when they have the the three people on the sidelines holding up like those signs and I guess one of them are the real signals and two are the dummy signals. And <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. We don't call them dummy. We call them no. retarded. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're not, oh, you're not talking about the people holding the sign. I see. You're saying a dummy signal. Okay. I dummy you. signal. Okay. All right. I thought you meant a dummy signaling, you know, so. it could be. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. I saw, I saw, I think this was an old clip of Thomas Sowell, the, genius economist who is still a hundred times brighter than most people in the room he's in with, but he said something that was so simple and I'm sure maybe you've thought about this, but I've never heard it put so succinctly. He said, the only way that our constitution can protect us is if we protect the constitution. Ooh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's under assault every day. Every day for now, uh, I have friends that are panicky about the incredibly inept way that the Hyden administration has been doing every single thing. Yeah, and I say, just listen, l- listen. We've we've put up with it and have been able to take it so far. And I just heard the other day it's less than a year from the next election, and there is no way on God's earth, which is what we live on that any dummy crap is going to win the presidential election after what he has done to destroy the American people. 
Yeah, you can't imagine the so-called independents, which I don't know what percentage-wise they supposedly make up of the electric, maybe electorate, maybe 20% or whatever. And I mean, you look at Trump four years, which the last year was stolen because of the pandemic. And then you look at Haydn and anyone with even a tenth of a brain could just put those side by side and these so-called independents, as I said, why they would say, well, let's let's give old Uncle Joe another four years, not that he's going to run or not that he's going to serve or even has been serving. But short of more shenanigans, it doesn't seem possible. I just heard yesterday on the news again, and I don't know why I keep watching it. So depressing. <laughs> but but some sparks are starting to occur uh, that helped me get through it. And one of them was uh, black people were talking to, I don't know if it was the some board in Chicago, but all of, well, all of them, the two that they showed on camera were saying, we're done with you. We're voting Republican because we do not like your policies, defunding the police and allowing criminals to do what they're doing and stuff. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm kind of thinking that all of these dummy crap blue states that have these major cities that are falling apart, are, the people in there are saying, look, we, we need help and we're not getting it from from the dummy craps. We're going to we're going to vote Republican and get some law and order back into our towns so yeah. that we can go shop. And even if even if a third of those or even if a quarter of those people who traditionally vote dummy crap just because if only a quarter of those would wake up and say, what can it hurt? Because I know that was one of Trump's themes in 2016 is how, you know, what do you have to lose by voting yeah. for me? And you would hope that uh, a certain percentage of those and if they did, then obviously it would be a. 350 or more electoral vote landslide. Yes, like it was last time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, for the life of me, understand why they could not recount the actual votes from last yeah. time. And, and I want everyone out there to know, to, to calm down, these illegal aliens that are coming into our country that they think are going to be able to vote won't because there's no way on God's earth they're going to go to some place that has a polling booth to vote when they're an illegal. Yeah. That's the last place they're going to want to show up. Gosh, that, I guess they'll, they'll probably like break into those old folks homes that have actual, you know, they'll steal their driver's license or their voter ID card or something. I don't know what their plans are, but you just know that they're, they're planning 24 seven on ways to, new and novel ways that they can create havoc and make things go bad again. The problem this time is that it is so bad on the left that they, they can't repair it. They've, they've painted themselves into a corner, as I've said. Yeah. That he, is, he can't go another four years because he's not there now. I can't I can't imagine another even year. I I'm praying that he'll make it to the end before Carmela uh has to take over or whatever. Yeah. Um they're putting pressure on Haydn for his China money. Oh, and yeah. they better get down to that because they've got proof. I don't know what they're waiting for. Maybe they're saying we we can we can nail him anytime we want, but then look who's in the wings. Right. Yeah, you do wonder if if behind the scenes or how far behind the scenes the Republicans are thinking, do we want, basically, do they tell Haydn, hey, we've got the goods on you, but we're going to let you keep going and lose and just leave office versus we're going to impeach you, throw you out of office and then have someone else. I don't know who they would rather face. I can't, I can't imagine they wouldn't rather face Carmela, but... Uh, it's just kind of makes your skin crawl to think about it. My my hopes and prayers are that if they do decide to 
uh, get rid of Haydn before his term is up, that they can impeach his entire administration. And then, uh, you know, what's his name will come in, the new speaker. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what they're going to probably have to do because there would be no more of a bigger disaster than having her, uh, right? You know, in that seat. So well, they could they could immediately do that twenty fifth amendment they tried to do on Trump, basically for incompetence, right? Even if she was totally legit and hadn't, you know, didn't have any skeletons in her closet, just from being incompetent, I think they could get rid of her after her first press conference, probably. <laughs> We don't even want her to have that. I don't even want to uh, talk about it because my skin's crawling. Okay. okay. And I don't have a pill for that today. <laughs> How about this? This is a interesting thing, as always, that Jordan Peterson uh, was talking about. And I don't know that he's explored that, this in depth yet, so I thought we could if it so tickles your fancy. But he was talking about finding something that interests you versus deciding that it's interesting to you. And his point was that when you're growing up, when you're little, when you're a teenager, when you're whatever, you find things that are interesting to you and you pursue them versus making sort of a more logical decision that, yeah, I'm going to decide that that's interesting. Like, I want to be a doctor because I think that's interesting versus just being led by your passion into whatever your profession is. Did you find, I guess, along the way, did you find your your profession interesting? It just, there was just something innate about it or about you that just appealed to you. And obviously you're good at it and all of that. Have you thought about that much, how you really get interested in something? Not necessarily about how you get interested in anything, I just always assume for myself that something will occur and I might become interested, you know, in doing that. In other words, like, um, you know, I don't know, going to car shows, uh-huh. uh, you know, somebody says, I heard there's this, that, and then I, then I become interested in wanting to go to something like that. That's probably a little more superficial than what you're talking about. My, my career, as I have said on the podcast several times, occurred because I wasn't allowed to do another career. So, right. so being interested in what I did wasn't necessarily what got me there. It was just a, a gradual uh, occurrence of doing it over and over and over and saying, all, looking back and going, wait a minute, I guess this is what I'm going to do because I hate kids and I don't want to teach them and I couldn't be a conservation officer. So I wound up being a drug dealer for high school students in a parking lot. And it's worked out so well. It's worked out very well as far as the money goes. (laughs) But in your, in your real true secret profession, I mean, at some point I would imagine you had to find it interesting enough that you didn't say, I want to go find something else. Or did you have those moments after three or five or 10 years of doing it that said, uh, nah, not really. I, I'm going to go do something else. No, I never, I have never in my career, uh, have, have ever said that. And, it, and if I've ever looked back on something, I've always looked back and said, I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah, and I'm glad I have the job I do. It's it, I, I, I can't think of a way to talk about it without telling people what it is, and it's not a big deal. But I don't want anyone to know what it is. So yeah, it's yeah. it's something that's that's different all the time, and that's what I like. Plus the fact that when you're your own boss, if there's people out there listening that are, the beauty of that, of course, as I've said before, is that. You can take time off when you want to, as long as you want to work. Yeah, yeah. When you have that option of saying, I'm not going to work today, that is that is absolutely fabulous. And I will tell you this, I don't think I've ever had a day where I said, I need a day off to not do what I'm doing. So I've been blessed with, in other words, with what I do because I love doing it. And 
uh, as my wife would say, it's hard for her to get me to take time off and do other things. So, right, yeah, it's it's much the same way. Well, how about how about I guess along the same lines of finding something interesting as opposed to sort of making yourself do it because you decide it's interesting. Even something like a hobby, like you think of like say golf versus tennis versus bowling. It's, it's obviously people do all three. I mean, some people do just one or just two of them, but just the fact that some people would find one of those three way more interesting than the other two. And it's, it would almost, I don't know. Do you bowl at all or do you no. have you I mean, ever, I did I'm sure ago, you, but yeah. I haven't. Yeah. I so haven't. I mean, could you put your finger on why you find golf more interesting than, say, bowling? I would say it would be because you're with a, a small group of people you like, and you're spending three to four hours with them in a fairly fairly quiet, um, you know, surrounding, which I like. Yeah, and it's also. Um, you know, you got to think about what you're doing as opposed to, I, you know, with, with tennis, once you've hit the ball across the net, all you're doing is watching the ball and waiting for it to come back. Uh, in golf, you look at your shot, you decide what kind of club you're using. You decide if it's wet, if it's dry, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I find that, you know, the analytical part of uh-huh. golf, I think is to me, to me, it's a little more than tennis or bowling or or shuffleboard or any of that kind of stuff. And there's obviously no right or wrong answers because it's not like you want the world to quit bowling or all the boiler, bowlers are stupid. But just the fact that whether it's that or, you know, when you were 20 years old, if if you would have started building houses or started being a carpenter or, or just the fact that some things appeal to some people. And I mean, I'm sure there's like identical twins that have totally different professions. And it's just interesting to how far you have to go back into their lives or if they're just, quote, born that way, that they just have a proclivity and they want to do something or once they try it, they think they like it. Because I'm sure there's things before you tried it where you never thought that you would enjoy it as much as you do. Exactly. And unfortunately, Kind of unfortunately for me back then, I didn't I didn't really know what I wanted to do after I decided I wasn't going to teach, uh-huh. and and I wasn't able to get into what I wanted to. In in college, when I was studying to do what I was going to do, so I always envied people that said this is what I, I have a nephew that's going to our uh, esteemed college next to us here. And he always knew he wanted to be into engineering, and uh, that was what that was the thing he wanted to do. And I always thought, wow, that's really great that he has wanted to do that since he was building Legos or whatever he did to do it. And then, and and I didn't have that, you know, that mindset at that point. And um, so, I think I think it's neat that that if they find it interesting and they go after it and they like it, wow, that's, that's something. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. What, what else you got on your crib sheet there? I went by a mark, a marquee on a junior high near us. And for you public school educated kids, a marquee means a sign out in front of this junior high that said it people you you have to get inside my brain okay you you're all probably looking at the ceiling going what's this guy talking about it's on the marquee it said welcome we educate we love and i drove by that and i had to go back i had to take a picture of it to remind myself (laughs) to talk about on the podcast and, I, and again, it's that person out there that's saying, look, let's put on our marquee out in front where everyone sees it, that we educate. First of all, we educate. 
And you go, oh, my God, that's right. That's a school. That's what they do. They educate. I think that's what they do. There they educate. And they also love. How did we get to the point in our education in America that we have to put on a marquee that we love? And why do we have to put that on the marquee out in front? I think those marquees should be reserved like they were in the day it was like pancake breakfast to raise money for so-and-so or your football team plays this Friday. But yeah, to put those meaningless slogans and either, either something that's so obvious it doesn't need to be said or we love is not the job, as you rightly pointed out, of the, of the school system. And to assume that you don't love I mean, yeah, why do you why, why yeah. do you have to advertise either one of those? It is, the more I think about that, I'm getting inside your brain, the, yeah. the more ridiculous it is. Yeah, it's kind of foggy in there, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's it, you know, we, we, we love, it's like you say, it's without saying, why don't you put on the marquee, we breathe air? Right. You know, it's the same thing. It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. We educate. Now, yeah, maybe you need to say that. Because maybe you're the one school in this area that does that. Everybody else is failing at it, according to statistics. But, uh. but, but to say that kind of stuff, it's like, come on, really? Really? It's like you say exactly that. Pancake supper. You know, you can eat, I don't even care if you say uh, junior, you know, got all A's this term or something. Right, you know, right. You, want to, you know, whoopee-doo, okay, that's... That's fine. But to do something idiotic like that, I want to I want to talk to that person. I desperately want to talk to that person and say, what was going through your head when you decided you wanted to put that on your marquee? We educate. We love. Can you imagine like a, a, a Kroger or a Whole Foods having it would be the equivalent of if they saying we sell food. Yeah, or a bar- exactly. barber shop. Barber shop. We cut hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, really? Really? Oh, okay. All right. That's a, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, you know, all of these quote unquote signs. This was literally a sign, signs in life that it, that I, I get a little disturbed about how people are thinking in our society now. You know, they're not. They're not focusing on what they need to focus on, which is, you know, their job, uh, you know, how they live their life, you know, live your life properly, so on and so forth. You know, they got to come up with these idiotic, stupid things like that that says we love here at this junior high school. What, what's that? What's that one in the next community over? I'm going to go check their marquee. I'll bet anything. Yeah. They might say they hate over there so i'm gonna check and if it's not on there i'm gonna go in and ask them i'm gonna say that junior high down the road loves what about you guys i don't see it on your marquee and they'd probably put it up though the next you know they'd immediately (laughs) uh. see see but i'm thinking in my right mind and i'm thinking what they're gonna look at me with their heads cocked like you know what are you on you know what kind of drug are you on and I remember you from high school. You were on lots of drugs in high school. So <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Hey, I, uh, w- I'm doing a project with a buddy, and it's a video for something of his. And it, in it is a bunch of old pictures and old videos of his kids when they used to do stuff together. And they were, they were and are big hunters and awesome people. And so one of the many, many clips, you know, there's there's – you know, six, eight-year-olds learning how to whittle a piece of wood, how to carve, how to shoot a bow and arrow, you know, how to use a gun properly and all this stuff. So one of the clips was the dad and two young kids, probably six and eight or something like that, five and seven, walking through the woods wearing their camo clothing on the way to who knows where. It could be deer camp it could be they're just like to dress up that way so i upload it to youtube to send him so he can watch it to see how it's coming along and about 20 minutes after i upload it i get an email from youtube 
that says, we have taken down your video for dangerous content. And then you read a little farther and it says, you violated our policy about showing children doing things that could be dangerous. And it showed you the timestamp and that timestamp was the three people walking through the woods with camo equipment on. Mm, let me let me think about that just for a second. Okay. <laughs> so I uh, I told them just sort of as a joke and then I appealed it which you basically just click a button and say I want to appeal this and literally 20 seconds later they said, "Up, oh, the ban's been lifted. You're okay." <laughs> but I mean people that have that people that have that happen to them because there were there were I mean there were clips you know 30 year old videos of a little kid learn to shoot a gun and you know all kinds of gun safety stuff it's not like running around hurting people but if you were to post that and you made a living doing that and YouTube demonetized you which it said in the email if this happens again you can't post to YouTube for a week and we all know about political people who have been demonetized for doing things that are against YouTube's policies. And it's, it is kind of scary. Well, I'm not so sure. I mean, here we have two young kids that are armed with guns and they're young and they're going out into the woods to kill animals. I'm totally, totally 100% opposed to having any of this kind of stuff broadcast for other kids to see. It could cause a riot of some sort. Didn't, yeah, didn't, it could. Didn't, didn't fall very well, did it? I, no. I, could, I, couldn't even come, I couldn't even come across <laughs> mad about it. Oh, I failed completely. Oh, oh. oh. man. But yeah, it's, uh, it just does go to show you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it kind of kind of is a little bit scary when that kind of stuff happens. It reminds me of, I think I told you, I don't know, this was six months ago on a, on a podcast about that lady that called in and had seen that new fence around the White House. And she, no, oh, she yeah. emailed, I think, and said, how much did that fence cost? She right. wanted to know for tax. And literally, she said, within five minutes, they had somebody get back to her and say, what are you asking that for? Uh, Apparently they thought maybe she was a terrorist or something and wanted yeah. to know how she could scale the fence or how strong it was or whatever. But she said, I just want to know, cause I'm a taxpayer, you know, what you, what it costs to put that fence around there, what, which you don't need. And I don't even know if they answered her. I bet. Yeah. Same thing that you're talking about there. You know, it's like some of this stuff, some of these regulations, they got to go away. It's for sure. Uh, especially YouTube crap. Are there any foods that you will only eat in a restaurant or foods that you'll never eat in a restaurant that you'll only eat at home? Mm, no, I'll eat. I always search in a restaurant for something that usually, you know, usually it's a meat. I'm a carnivore. And, uh, yeah. You know, carnivore. It's, yeah. <laughs> I know it's carnivore, <laughs> you know, but okay. I'm, I'm playing that one guy that mispronounced yeah. all the names. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I look I look for, uh, you know, hamburgers, steaks, uh, things like that. If I ever find a good steak in any restaurant, that's all I buy when I go there. Cause really? there's like Yeah, there's like two restaurants that I know that I will get a good steak every time I go there. So is, is the best steak, I don't know, that you've ever had, as your, are you and or your wife grillers on your grill? Yes. Oh, yeah, all the time. So how does how does that hamburger or steak compare to a very good hamburger or steak that you get at a restaurant? I I would say that it, the steak probably on a scale of one to five, mine would be a three, maybe if I get yeah. it right between a three and a half and a four compared to a one at my two steak houses, and I know why really? that is. It's yeah. because and I was told this years ago from a from a manager of a very good steak restaurant. He said, we get the best meat because we have buyers that go out and look for the best meat. 
you and I, you know, get the Costco crap. And, right. And, you know. So you're okay. So you're saying one being higher and three being lower. Right. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My two restaurants huh. always, I can always get a number. I can get a, well, I'll say I won't, a lot of times one and a half, one and a half, okay. two at the lowest, but no, nothing below that. Mine yeah. is always a point, point and a half below that. If, huh. if I find a good one, because like, you know, when you grill, you can, you can get good steaks and you can get bad steaks sometimes. I yeah. don't know why that is, but it is. So it is, it um, is. And speaking of steaks, I'll just say this real quickly. I'm going to give a shout out to, I'm not going to say his name, but earlier this summer, this guy got some tenderloin steaks and he cooked them in butter. He cooked them in a stick of butter and basted it in butter. And I have never in my lifetime had a better steak than I did with that. Never. Wow. Never. He cooked it to perfection. He's one of these guys that watch the Food Channel and things like that. Yeah. And and it's like, I said, can I please come over again and bring my own steak? And you can cook it and I'll share it with you. I said, it's it's it was just unbelievably great. And where where did he cook it? On a fry, he, in a frying pan in butter? He cooked it on a cast or, iron pan wow. on, on the grill. Wow. Yep. Wow. Cast iron pan. Wow. So did you watch him as he cooked it? Yep, or did he I tell did. you? Yeah. I, I didn't see him melt the whole stick of butter in yeah. the thing, but but there was a crap ton of butter in that thing. And, and I was just going, oh God, can I just like drink that when, you, when you're done basting all of the steak on that and stuff? Because oh, I would have. I would have. Yeah. Pour it in a cup, and that's just like my shot of whiskey or something. Oh, I'll drink man. that butter. Oh, yeah. That's funny. I'm, I, I'm a sick person. How about you? How about you with going to restaurants? Uh, I guess I, I think, I mean, I'm sure the probably the best steak I ever had was at a restaurant at a probably more of a Gucci one of a kind restaurant. I can think of a couple that like when I was on a business trip and not paying for it myself. But I think typically I eat more steaks that my wife has grilled because she is a a good griller. So I would say, but yeah, I guess I, I don't really get steak that often when I go out, except for the place. I know one of the places you're thinking of, and it is good because it's like, boom, I know what I'm getting and I'm going to like it instead of rolling the dice and paying 40 or $45. And then either they don't cook it right, or it's just a little funky or something like that. But it, on the other hand, as you say, when you, even when you go to a good butcher and you get what you think are good steaks you can have a good one right next to a bad one and i don't know why that is i don't either because they all look the same yep and and you look at it and you say oh my god that that looks way better than all those other ones and you get it and it's like eh, you know same thing yeah and and how is it that the restaurants can I, I guess i don't know maybe they have their own herds of cattle that they that they yeah, pick from that, or they they feed them a certain thing or something to make them right. taste better or whatever. Yeah, you would assume like Outback or whoever, Texas Roadhouse, or they must have, I don't, yeah, I don't know that they would literally have their own, if they just contract with certain people and say, here's a diet that you have to feed them because they can't do it all in store with like tenderizing and with spices and whatever. They, they've got to start with a consistent cut of meat, you would assume. Yeah, I I would. I, although you mentioned that name, and I haven't been there in a long, long time because, as I said before, I, I sometimes. Oh, you, that's right. Yeah, you, think you had a bad outback experience. Yeah, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did twice in a row, and I, as I said, I think they switched to kangaroo as opposed to cows, <laughs> and I don't like kangaroo, so no, um, I don't go there anymore. Okay. Yeah, Just did, kidding. You like a, back. Don't sue me. Didn't Don't you have me. a super dry? Was yes. it a super dry? Yes. Was it steak or was it something it was steak. else? Steak. It's always yeah. steak. I I never go to a steakhouse and not get steak. Okay. Uh, it's that that's just a given with me. And I always cross my fingers on places I used to without back, you know. And I it, I used 
and you probably got a lot of good ones there. I used to get them good, but I don't know if it was my Outback that turned out to, and maybe it's the guy that cooks them. That could very well be that the guy that cooks them doesn't know how to cook them right. But I'm also the type of guy that never sends anything back because I want my food spit on. <laughs> yeah, that that almost never works out well because whether it gets spit on or you ask for it a little more well done, it, it always comes back way more well done oh, yeah. than oh, you yeah. want. So that yep. it never works out. Exactly. Uh, hey, here's a question that you may know the answer to. It occurred to me a few weeks ago while driving and I was, I was on my cruise control and then I, you know, I sped up by hitting the plus button on the cruise control. Do you think those go exactly by one mile per hour or do you think they just go incrementally and at some point they switch from like 70 to 71? Or do you think they go from 70, you press it 71, you press it 72? That's how it does do it with mine. You, uh -huh. you, you press it once and it will go up a mile an hour. You, you hold it down and it will go up until you let up and whatever that number will be that it calculated will go to that number. But if you just want to go up one mile an hour at a time, you just hit it real quick once and it will go huh. up one mile an hour. So it, that's how it, it's not just like on a sliding scale. It, it's a graduate. It's like from boom and then it jumps up to this. It jumps up to that. It jumps up to the next one. As long as you just hit it once. Yeah. And, and do that. Uh, I, I never do that. I always just accelerate and, and blow by the people. And then, then, then you go back down to 81 you go, God, 81, that doesn't, it seems like I'm walking. So you bump it up to 85 and you know. So are, I don't know that I've ever asked when you take your, uh, expressway tours and not the, the route 66, cause I know the speed limit's lower. Did you, well, I guess, did you use cruise control on route 66 at all? Yes. Yes. I did use it on, there were, I don't know, maybe five or six pretty open areas where I, I put it and and believe it or not, I was probably cruising it literally. You won't believe this, maybe five miles an hour under the speed wow. limit because because we were just taking it all in as we went. It was a leisure trip, yeah. you know, and yep. coming back. Yeah, it was 75 on, on um, I think, what was that? Uh, Highway 11 or something. I don't know, whatever. But it was 75 miles an hour. So, of course, I was going 85, coming back, because you're on the expressway. And you want to get back. So, yeah, but going out, yeah, it was a leisure trip and yeah i was yeah usually i was going the speed limit but there's nobody else around right you know, the route and 60 the, you know was it 55 was yeah. that the speed limit yeah it's 55 on route 66 because it's literally a rural road yeah uh, on, on most of the areas that that we drove on there were some that were 65 that were newer route 66 air quotes um, but most of the time it's 55. So you wonder, do you, do you think having, having it be decommissioned, as you mentioned a couple times, I mean, could like a, a private either individual or some sort of a 501 C three or something, raise a bunch of money and like recommission it and dress it up. Is there, it seems like there would be an effort to do that at some point if it really got bad. Cause you had said it was hard to follow in several places. It was very hard to follow because they literally took up the highway and, uh, you know, got rid of it totally, which is why all those towns are ghost towns pretty much now that were along yeah. Route 66. And it would take an ungodly sum to connect it all again, I think, probably yeah. way more than, than anybody would bother trying to do. And why, anyway, because all those towns are... Are, I mean, I felt like I needed a gun in three quarters of them when we were going through them. So they're, right. just, they're pretty yeah. depressing. Uh, just hmm. the neatness of it being Route 66 was what pushed us along. Yeah. So it, you think it'll just gradually decline over the decades? And will there come a point where it's like nobody, uh, I mean, three generations from now, will people even know what Route 66 is? I don't think the next generation will know what it is. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I don't think I don't think the generation that's growing up now knows yeah. what it is or what it was or anything like that. So I think it's pretty much debunked. And and like I say, why do that when all the towns are are you know there's not a lot of commerce there anymore anyway. Like I said, when we went to get our our little can to hide our our, our thing on Route 66, yeah, yep. that can oh, of polish right. it was so dried up. It was a hockey puck. <laughs> and how long does that take to do when it's sitting on your shelf and nobody's buying it? Right. Ten years? It's got to be because it's yeah. got to be airtight. So Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, huh. anyway. Bygone, bygone era. Exactly. Exactly. What do you, do you, I'm sure your dad used to say that, let bygones be bygones. Bygones be bygones. Yeah, I guess. That would be Route 66. Let it go. <laughs> Bye, gone. Oh, man. Bye, gone. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, it's wow. done. Yep. Speaking of that, I think our latest installment is also uh, going into the record books. <laughs> well, we appreciate you listening. And again, if you haven't listened to America's Barber, that was, I think, two episodes ago. So make sure you go back and share that one with everyone because... Uh, the more people that listen to him, the wiser we will all be and the wiser you will be when you come back next week and listen to The Right Angle.